0: SQL Down Under is a podcast for professionals working in the SQL Server community. SQL Server is a trademark of Microsoft Corporation. Opinions expressed during the podcast are individual opinions and may not reflect the opinions of SQL Down Under or of Microsoft Corporation. Introducing Show 49 with guest Gaddy Peleg. Welcome. Our guest today is Gaddy Peleg. Uh, He's a senior program manager on the data uh, data quality services team, where his most recent work has been on data matching, knowledge-based, data-driven quality, and user experience. Gaddy is now involved with the next generation of data quality services. He joined Microsoft in August 2008 with the acquisition of Zoomix Data Mastering Limited, where he served as a VP of professional services. So welcome, Gaddy.
1: Thank you Greg, thank you for having me on the show.
0: That's excellent. Uh what I'd get, I'd get you to do the the first time anybody's on the show, what I get you to do is explain how how on earth did you ever come to be involved in in SQL Server?
1: Well, that that was uh, this is uh, interesting because uh, as you mentioned, I uh, joined Microsoft in uh, 2008 with the acquisition of uh, Zoomix and uh, this is uh, basically the first time i uh, i was exposed to um anything related to uh, uh, the data quality aspect uh, or quality aspect of of, of data so zoomix was um a small startup based in uh, jerusalem and it was focusing mainly around the uh, uh, data quality for product data so we didn't have really a means of cleansing data per se, but we had very, very good tools based on machine learning for standardizing and restructuring product descriptions and also a products. product. So it was a kind of a hybrid, like a master data management plus data quality tool. And it was uh, for Microsoft, it was very, very interesting because it was, uh, again, it was uh, machine learning based and uh, a tool that basically minimized the uh, uh, labor uh, for, for data stewards to um, normalize and standardize uh, product descriptions. Hmm. So um, this is basically how I joined Microsoft.
0: That's good. Was, was what sort of size company was Zoomix?
1: Zoomix was a very small company about 20 to 25 people um mm-hmm. and the, the we ha- mainly had customers in Europe we had a made we had a, a large customer in the US uh, but it uh, it was a very unique uh, tool and based on very unique algorithms um and again these algorithms basically enabled to reduce uh, time and labor on, on a, a, a working on data basically, uh, making data mm. better.
0: Great, and, and so look, if we start, uh, given it's the first show we've done on data quality services, uh, maybe if we start at the beginning, so um, what, why should we be interested in it?
1: Well, um, I think uh, when you're trying to define data quality, uh, you have to connect data quality with business. Um, mm-hmm. So when you look at data quality, data quality is basically uh, how good the data is for business usage. So when you talk about business, then uh, obviously you talk about uh, a, a quality of business. And uh, we know, everybody knows that the data quality impacts business directly. And uh, just in the U.S. by itself, um, companies lose uh, more than uh, $600 million a year just because of data quality issues. So mm-hmm. uh, and it expands around uh, many aspects of, of, of uh, the businesses like uh, uh, marketing campaigns, uh, billing, and, and many more aspects.
0: Yeah. So uh, just examples of the sort of quality issues that you're thinking of?
1: Well, um there are uh, data quality can can be measured uh, uh, based on uh, uh, very accurate uh, dimensions like uh, uh, accuracy, consistency, completeness, and duplicates. So I can give examples uh, examples of each one. For example, accuracy is how accurate uh, uh, semantically the data is. Uh, consistency is about uh, having the same values uh, uh, across all the data set uh, uh, in the same uh, representation. Completeness is whether uh, uh, your data is missing values. For example, if you have an address uh, record and uh, it's missing a zip code, then you know obviously uh, someone will have to complete this uh, uh, this value. And duplicate Mm -hmm. is about uh, duplicates that you have in your data. So if you have a list of customers and your customers are duplicates, then uh, obviously you you start sending mails to um, duplicate mails to these customers. So. Um, so basically, uh, uh, these dimensions help uh, users to understand the quality of the data, and and beca- become aware and become proactive on on cleansing this data uh, to prepare it for business and for BI. I,
0: I suppose one of the questions that comes up then is that how uh, what sort of measures do you see in place that people could use to assess. Uh, how accurate their data is or how high a quality their data is because um, I'm just presuming that one of the things that you need to know is how bad things are and and if you are trying to fix things uh, to have some sort of measure about you know how successful you've been in terms of fixing it
1: that's true and that's an excellent question because it gives me a direct a, a, uh, it connects me directly to data quality services and to the solution that we provide in SQL uh, Server 2012 so um, how how do you measure accuracy? So basically, you have to measure you measure accuracy against a, a reference set of data, uh, so you know how your data deviates from this reference data. And uh, there are many solutions today that provide this uh, reference lists or, or lists or lexicons or you know every every company has its own uh, terminology. And Data Quality Services came up with a very unique solution, which is called a uh, knowledge bases. Uh, where every user can create its own uh, knowledge base or knowledge bases to represent different types or different kinds of data. For example, if you have HR data or product data or any other type of data, you can basically capture the semantics of this data in a form of data domains in each knowledge base. So let's assume that you have um, an employee's data set. So you can create a knowledge base with different data domains in it and, and capture semantics about uh, your data in a form of values. So, for example, I can uh, uh, create synonyms between uh, cities, like uh, NYC and New York will be synonyms. So when you clean the actually, data, I should
0: probably, I should sorry, I should probably get you to describe to uh, in terms of the product the the meaning of uh, domain, the way you're using that. Sure. So,
1: do, domain is an area um, of data. Um, that captures uh, all kind of rules and values to correct a specific uh, type of, of uh, uh, data. If I connect it to a table or, 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 or a file, it, it's a column, basically. So I can take yes. a column and, and basically map it to a domain because they belong to the same domain of data. So obviously, I wouldn't clean... Uh, cleanse a, a city column with a country domain, okay so I have to yep. create a domain that matches the the column type and the column type of uh, uh, data. Um, so uh, this domain can can basically keeps values and keeps rules that the user adds to this domain. I uh, think of a domain as as an object as an element within a a, a knowledge base um, that basically contains all these rules and values and relations between values. And think of it also as, as a, a quality policy. So once you create a domain within a knowledge base, it persists there and you just maintain it. So um, uh, if you select that N, N, New York is, is the leading value and NYC is the synonym, it will remain like that for all the data sets that, that you cleanse. So you always cleanse mm. with New York. So anytime we see NYC, we'll just replace it with New York and that's how you keep consist- consistency in the data. Yeah. So,
0: uh, no, Actually, uh, yeah. One one of the things I was going to ask is the uh, uh, a distinction about who you imagine is the one who maintains that in the organisation. Because one of the things I find when I talk to people about data quality services is uh, if you look at something, for example, like uh, matching values or, or substitutions of values, those sorts of things, uh, people say, yes, but I could just build a transformation to do that. But I'm imagining that part of the power of these sort of tools is the ability uh, that I could build the infrastructure that applies those transformations but it could be somebody with a knowledge of the domain itself is the one who modifies those uh, those so substitutions that will be made
1: that's that's true greg um, so basically, we can we can identify two personas uh, uh, working with data quality services. Uh, one uh, that is a domain expert, uh, and an, another one that is a user of this knowledge, uh, which basically just use, using the policy or the knowledge base to cleanse the data without even knowing uh, or having expertise in a specific data domain. Okay, so yeah. uh, the, the person that creates the knowledge is usually a domain expert, someone that understands uh, SKUs, part numbers. Uh, even uh, addresses, cities, countries in the world. And and by building this knowledge, he basically provides the tool or or, or the semantics for for the user to to, uh, cleanse the data.
0: Is the thinking that the person who is the knowledge uh, or or the the user who has that knowledge, uh, is it the client tool for data quality services, the actual tool you imagine that they'll use for doing that?
1: Well, that's that's another great question. Um, I imagine data quality, uh, the client tool, as a, um, a tool for creating the knowledge, and it really depends on on the way the organization operates or, or, or whatever uh, the organization uh, organization is, is, is actually doing data quality. So you can you can do data quality while you move data from uh, the layer where you acquire a, a data sources down downstream to the data warehouse or you can do a project type of uh, uh, um a data quality uh, where you basically uh, work out of the um you take chunks of data from uh, your master data management uh, tool and you cleanse it and you put it back to um uh, MDM or you work with a data warehouse, so it really depends where you want to do the data quality going forward mm. we we uh, want to uh, provide an Excel experience for data cleansing, so this will allow uh, information workers to easily uh, use Excel to cleanse data okay so um, yeah. Um, imagine that you can in Excel uh, select your cleansing eng- agent, uh, agent which is the knowledge base, or even uh, an external provider, uh, provider of knowledge, which I will explain soon. Um, and and in almost in no time, you just click a button and you cleanse your data.
0: So this is something yeah, we're already that, working on. That that's a really interesting idea because yeah, if I look at something like uh, master data services in uh, SQL Server, um, the Interface uh, was one of the things I absolutely struggled with in 2008. R2 was the user interface, and when you're dealing with those sort of lists of things, uh, Excel seems like a very natural interface to to do that sort of work.
1: It, it's very natural. It's uh, basically you. Um, it's some, It's a tool that it's uh, actually it's the most popular tool for for managing data. And it already has capabilities, uh, you know, like like sorting and and functions and anything that you can uh, reuse, and and having the uh, data quality services integrated with MDS around the Excel add-in, it's almost the ultimate uh, solution because uh, yeah. you, you bring data from MDS, you match it with EQS, and you publish it back to MDS. Going forward, we will have have also cleansing capabilities in Excel, so the integration is much mm. tighter there
0: yeah I thought in SQL server 2012 the uh the add-in for excel for um, master data services that uh takes it from being uh sort of awkward to use user interface to to now quite pleasant actually yeah that's that's very good and so that sort of integration with data quality services in the future would would be excellent yeah the that's... um in in terms of the how do you see the general process like if somebody What's the process from start to finish where somebody would start to implement uh, data quality services?
1: Um, So um, it, it all starts with the knowledge base. In order to cleanse Mm -hmm. the data and even to match the data, you have to have knowledge about the data. So algorithm by by themselves, like a similarity algorithm, cannot really cleanse the data. You have to cleanse the data with something. So uh, basically you start by by creating knowledge using your uh, uh, data sources. You may have different data Mm -hmm. sources, so you create knowledge bases according to your data sources. You uh, uh, test your knowledge bases using a cleansing project through the DQS client application. And once you feel that the knowledge base, once you know that the knowledge base is comprehensive enough and covers uh, uh, your data, then you can uh, put it in production and, uh, and even uh, add automation to it by using a DQS cleansing component in SSIS, which basically connects to that knowledge base and cleanses the data on the fly. Okay, So yeah. there, I, I do see a development phase of knowledge and then usage uh, either uh, by project or uh, automation
0: through SSIS. Mm. Yeah, indeed. So so with um in terms of uh that that sort of knowledge base the is would you see the the typical starting point is going to be data that's sitting in some existing table somewhere?
1: Um, actually yes. Yes, um mm i think there is another layer uh, uh, maybe before it or maybe one step before it is is the way to is a way to discover your 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 data and see where where your data is and uh, analyze it before you do anything with it um some kind of profiling and you can do it also with e q s when you do um a, when you start uh, creating a knowledge base we have a profiler uh, embedded uh, in the DKS client showing you information about the uh, different processes. Uh, so when you do knowledge discovery that's, that's a process for example that acquires data from your sources into the data domains and uh, we provide profiling information about your data like uh, what is the level of completeness, uh, level of uniqueness how many values uh, populated the domain? How many values uh, uh, um, are invalid based on the domain rules you created? So there are all kind of profiling information that you can uh, use to uh, assess your quality, the quality of your data. But basically, yes, you start by by a, a pinpointing an area that you want to uh, uh, start cleansing, and you create a knowledge base for that, and you walk your uh, your your way up. Uh, towards the the cleansing.
0: In in terms of if we start with uh, missing data, is that just measuring whether uh, the data is null or not, or whether there is some value there? Well, th- or there is are... it more richer than that?
1: It's 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 richer than that, but it's not a complete solution. So uh, it starts by mm-hmm. validating nulls. So uh, in a domain, you can basically uh, so let's start with validating nulls. In, in the domain, you can basically uh, define null equivalency. So um, you know it, it's very common that uh, users put or IT put all kind of uh, uh, null values like 999s, TBDs, uh, others. Yeah. So you you can basically link them to a uh, DQS null, That's a a null that uh, we have in every domain. Uh, This way, we can count completeness much better. Okay, so this is for validating. that's very good. Okay, yeah. So because
0: the sort of thing I often do see is exactly that: is that somebody will be loading up some data as part of an ETL process and maybe it requires uh, some column that isn't present in the source data but is required in the database. So, yeah, maybe there's, as you say, a postal code or a zip code or something, and so they'll literally shove into the data 9999. So, I mean, there is actually data there, but but it's actually uh, the same thing as if there wasn't data there.
1: That, that's exactly true. So we have a, a good meaning now of, of measuring this uh, null equivalency. So that's one aspect of null. Another one is enrichment. But uh, today we don't have, um, we have a way to enrich data by creating um, a composite domain, which is a, a complex, it, it's a, basically a container that contains a, a, a individual domains uh, that belong to the same area. Let me explain this uh, very. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a it's a topic that it's hard to explain, but let me try. So basically, mm-hmm. think of an address as a, a, a composite of different domains. So uh, an yeah. address contains a city, street, uh, zip code, and so forth. So think of each column as as a domain by itself. But when you look at an address, it, it, it's a, it's one object. Okay, You can't really separate the street mm-hmm. from the city from the zip code, so it's a composite type of domain. So uh, looking at the, uh, the, uh, the process for creating a knowledge base, you create these individual domains for each column that you have. Then you link them into a composite domain. And now you can create, once you have a composite domain, you can create composite domain rules, saying that if city, for example, is Seattle, then state must be Washington. So if your data mm-hmm. says uh, Seattle, uh, uh, New York, it will be automatically correct uh, to the correct uh, value. So this this is kind of cross-domain uh, uh, correction, and uh, there are other means of enriching the data, and this is maybe currently the only way to enrich the data, is use, uh, using mm. external reference data providers, and that's uh, another very powerful uh, uh, proposition we have, is a way to connect a composite domain or a domain in your knowledge base to to a different uh, uh, company altogether. So if I want to cleanse my addresses, I can send my data to uh, Melissa Data, which is an expert in 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 U.S. addresses. I don't have even to create the values in the domains.
0: Actually, that's an interesting one as well, is that I I have uh, clients in Australia, for example, who do... Uh, cleansing of addresses and so on. And uh, it it, it sort of intrigues me that the way they work today, they work in a very batch-oriented mode. They tend to get big batches of data from their clients and they'll do uh, cleansing work on that involving significant uh, IP and then they'll sort of send that back to them again. But I'm sort of thinking all these people need to, down the track, they all need to become service providers online rather than people who deal with these sorts of things in a batch mode.
1: Uh, true, true. So, so this, this is a good example why, um, why you shouldn't use a, a domain expert in, 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 uh, for addresses, for example. Uh, because someone yeah. already has a huge database and they are expert in it, so you don't need actually a human eye to to create domains or a, a human being to create domains with with all the cities in the world, all the addresses in the world, because it just does, it doesn't make sense. You have to update this information all the time.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, so uh, for a, any type of um, I mean, looking looking at the process, the best thing would do to subscribe through a Windows Azure Data Market to one of these services. Uh, for example, there is a service called, uh, called Locate. They support 240 uh, countries, uh, uh, addresses, uh, uh, you know, international addresses. So you mm-hmm. connect your domain, your composite domain to Locate, and it you cleans your data in no time without investing uh, a second in creating knowledge in your domains. So that's another uh, channel of, of of IP. I mean, you have your own IP, your organization IP, which is about probably products, people, and, and areas like that, and addresses, which is uh, you can use external IP like Melissa Data or, or other services that we have uh, on on Data Market.
0: What what's the current charging or monetization basis for those things? Uh, like it. Um... Like when you set up the client or whatever uh, to or make a connection to the service, uh, how is the sort of subscription or whatever? Um, what's the current thinking around that sort of thing?
1: So the, the current model is that you subscribe, uh, 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 you, you open basically Windows Azure Data Market uh, uh, page and you see all the, there's a DQS uh, data quality services category there and all the offerings that uh, belong to this category. And uh, it's a subscription based uh, model that you subscribe, uh, you have, um, uh, you subscribe by transactions if it's monthly or uh, I don't recall the the exact model, but you you pay per uh, subscription, per per usage. So um, once you subscribe through Data Market, when you go, when you open the DQS client application, all these services that you subscribe to uh, under Data Market will show on the DQS client. So, for the user that uses these these services it 's a very simple experience. You just use the knowledge base that is defined with these services you don 't it 's like a black box. you just connect yeah. the knowledge base to you map it to your a, a excel file or table and you just run it and then you go you have yeah. an interactive step where you manage your 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 results and that 's it basically it's very
0: simple yeah. actually one of the things if people have that sort of intellectual property. Uh, How complicated is it to get to be set up as a server?
1: To be set up as a service? Uh, To to be set
0: up as a server. Yeah, one of these providers like Melissa or somebody. Uh, How complicated is that?
1: So uh, this process is done against uh, with the data market team. Uh, There is a whole business engagement there uh, with SLAs and all kinds of... uh, uh, There is a test uh, phase and so forth. So there is a, a, a kind mm-hmm. of an on, onboarding experience to become a, a, a reference data provider. And, and basically yep. what it does, what the reference data provider does, is basically they have a, a big repository of data which is up-to-date. They, they they are responsible for the data. They own the data. They update the data. And they create a service around it uh, to claim, to basically to look up uh, records that uh, the user sends and send the best result back. So you have to develop yep. some kind of service around it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, and I presume uh, that would be ideal if that was hosted in Windows Azure or something like that.
1: Or... It uh, was ideal if you if uh, we yep. consider performance and uh, and other aspects of uh, you know uh, uh, yes it is and we actually have some thinking around that and uh,
0: we'll see what the future will bring us. <laughs> Yes. Okay. And uh, listen, I suppose that does raise the question of performance. Um, some of the no- noises I've seen uh, with early feedback, I see some people concerned when they're starting to try and put a lot of data through data quality services around performance. Uh, what's your what's your sort of feeling as to how big an impact these sort of things have? And I'm sort of thinking also when you have something like an external service like a Melissa or somebody like that uh just just what sort of throughputs or things are even achievable i'm i'm just sort of worried about like how big an impact do you see that having
1: well we have uh, uh for the services uh, for the reference data services we have um they have to basically adhere to uh, to a performance uh, number that we provide them. So, uh, for example, yep. they have to resend uh, a response uh, 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 by within 10 seconds. This is the latest. It's it's much much mm. faster than that. Sorry, I I heard the echo. It's much faster than that. But yes. basically, we have a strict number that they they have to uh, comply with. And uh, regarding the the DKS, uh server itself, it, it's uh, basically. Um, It it will consume any any resource you give it. So I mean, the larger the box is, or if even if you use many boxes, it will consume basically everything. It's a linear process. The more Mm -hmm. memory and CPU you give it, it will basically consume it. So uh, um, yeah. And basically, we we improved greatly the performance in uh, the the last uh, uh, update. CU one. Yep.
0: Ah, so uh, so in cumulative update one, uh, there was a significant change in performance?
1: A significant change in performance, both for cleansing, ah. discovery, and matching. And
0: uh, yep, and
1: there is the best uh, practice I can give you here um, on the air. I mean, if someone is using the SSS component, it's a good practice yep. to parallel a few packages using the DKS cleansing component. So um, the mm-hmm. more you parallel, the, the better the performance is. So...
0: Ah, good. So in that case, so you would definitely suggest uh, applying cumulative update one in that case.
1: Definitely yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. We yes. listen. One thing I did want to return a little bit to you started uh, mentioned before about composite domains, and in my thinking, when I think about composite domains, I think about things like uh, maybe I've got car manufacturers, and there's a, a valid list of those, and there's also a valid okay. list of car models or something like that but but only certain ones can go together is that uh is there, is is that the sort of thing that's able to be dealt with in some way
1: um yes exactly so basically uh, in a composite domain you create cross-domain rules so if uh, for a car type of uh, mercedes then you can have only uh, i don't know um uh, uh, a v6 engine Okay, so if you have mm-hmm. a V8 engine, it will basically correct it to V6 or so will basically mark it as invalid depending on the domain, on the composite domain rule. So it, it, yep. it's a conditional type of rule based on the domains that you have in the composite domain.
0: That's and, right. And, so, and how complicated can the rules be? Like how, how can you express the rules uh, or the matching or the sort of pattern matching or something along those lines?
1: okay so let's let's um uh, that's that's a good question uh, we have to distinguish between the uh distinguish between matching rules and cleansing rules so uh yep. let's talk about the cleansing rules so uh each domain has uh, you can you can basically author uh domain rules, which is only rules that validate the data they don't correct data on the domain level mm-hmm. on the composite domain uh, level you can correct data using these composite domain rules. For matching, uh, there is an experience we call matching policy. So when you create, uh, when you um, edit a knowledge base or create a knowledge base, you have three activities you can select from. One is domain management, that's where you create the domains, create the composite domains, you create the values. Uh, Another one is knowledge discovery. That's a a guided process that basically acquires knowledge from your source data and puts it in the domain. So in this process, we also discover uh, syntax errors, for example, spelling mistakes based on a statistical algorithm. It's really based on the sample of data that they use for discovery. And the third activity is matching policy. That's, uh, again, another guided experience in the DKS client that allows you to create uh, matching rules and test them before you publish the knowledge base for users to consume. So basically, this ex- in this experience, you, you um, define the domains that you want to match on. Okay, domains represent the columns. Uh, so you define yeah. the weights that you want to uh, contribute for each domain, and you define the type of similarity that you want to use for each domain. So and we made it very simple. You can select either uh, exact match Or or similarity Mm -hmm. match without allowing the user to select an algorithm because this this tool is for for a more for an 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 I W than a very technical person so we made it very very
0: uh, easy to use so that's interesting actually with the matching uh, are there options like case sensitive matching as opposed to non case uh, case insensitive Oh, or or um, is it mostly just a fuzziness sort of no, about the matching?
1: No, ab- actually, case, uh, we don't consider even case uh, 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 cases because we keep the data, um, which is not visible to the user, we keep it in, in one case, okay? So th- yep. the algorithm is completely agnostic of, of cases and, and other things, okay? It's, uh, it's also language agnostic because we use a kind of algorithm that basically we can match any type of data.
0: So uh, yeah. we, we, uh, I was just sort of thinking that I could imagine rules that I might want to have that say that are to do with say, capitalization of, of words.
1: Um, I, I think that formatting is something that uh, in some cases it's, it's, I agree it can be uh, useful, um, maybe in product data, mm-hmm. but generally thinking, when you match data, you match on the syntactic uh, value and not on the formatting.
0: And yeah. uh, what no, I it, it, was just thinking that it, it is still an aspect of uh, quality where I could imagine that uh, in some scenarios the uh, the casing of something could actually be the problem rather than the value itself.
1: Uh, the casing can be the problem, but uh, since the, the target of, or, or the goal of matching is not to check formatting, but to check, uh, again, uh, matching uh, on the syntactic level, we we yep. really don't care about it, but you, you can control formatting also from the DQS client. You can export your data in any type of casing that you want, and this is mm. a regarding standardization of the data.
0: Yep. Um, uh, what about rules where I could say, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking uh, rules that, that look at things like uh, maybe I have some column, but... Logically, it contains sub-columns. You know, it needs to be three letters followed by five digits or something like that. Um, are there? Is there any way of building those sort of rules, or would that be just done back in uh, in normal components in integration services?
1: I uh, yeah yeah we don't go to that level. Uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and you refer to matching, right? Just to be just to
0: yeah. I, I suppose yeah. I, I'm almost thinking about uh, almost like. Applying regular expression type checks or something like that to the data as well to be able to say you know maybe the things in this column should look like a particular shape.
1: Yeah, uh, well, we don't have it. We don't have it. I, I mm-hmm. agree. We had this type of uh, we have some kind of uh, capability in Zoomix using uh, regular expressions and data patterns because it's it's mostly a. Uh, usable for for product data. That's where you see much more data patterns than in the customer data. Mm. Uh, customer data has very few data patterns. It's usually strings. You know, may, maybe a zip code is a little bit. Uh, you know, you can identify it by a uh, by a regular expression. Uh, but otherwise, uh, data patterns or regular expressions are, I think, my my opinion is is, is more for product data usage. Uh, but but the accuracy of the matching is so so good i mean using the algorithm that we have and again we we didn't invent yeah. the wheel we using uh, uh we using a, a uh, an algorithm that probably everybody is using and it's good mm-hmm. enough to to match uh, your data and it gives very high high accuracy because we also treat the data we 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 normalize the data in memory we remove uh, certain characters uh and then we break it to small pieces and uh, And that's how we match it. So it's really a pretty much forward algorithm and it provides a very good accuracy, basically.
0: Great. Well, that's a good point to take a break and we'll come back shortly. Thank you. As well as community resources such as this podcast, SQL Down Under offer mentoring services and both private and public training options. If you need to get your project back on track, or if you need to get it off to a good start, why not give us a call? We have also recently introduced a series of online courses available in both Asia-Pacific and US-UK time zones. In particular, the first course that's offered in this series is Query Performance Tuning. You'll find details at www.sqldownunder.com. Welcome back. Um... So, out outside SQL Server and Data Quality Services, is is there a life outside?
1: Um, yes, actually, there's a big life outside. I have uh, <laughs> four, four kids that uh, keeps me in shape. Um, uh, that's so, very good.
0: Um, yeah. Any sort and, of uh, sports or hobbies you're involved
1: with? Or? I'm, uh, yeah, there are two, two areas that I, uh, uh, really, um, uh, how can I put it? Uh, it's like a childhood hobby, uh, which is aviation and music. Uh, I play uh, musical instruments, um, like uh, trumpet, harmonica, guitar, and a few more, um, just wow. as a hobby. That's yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, and aviation—that's that's something that uh, I grew up with. Uh, I love airplanes, so you know, uh, this is a good place to watch airplanes. Uh, as you know, uh, Boeing is Boeing is here, and you can see, um, yes. you know, all over the place.
0: So. Yes, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, trips that I've done out to the Boeing factory. The, uh, in fact, my uh, favorite—I uh, remember a couple of things there. I, uh, I remember them saying. Um, uh, that they had a policy now. If you if you break it, you buy it, uh, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. And the uh, yeah. the the other one uh, I liked is they told me that with things like a seven four seven, they said there's an easy payment plan. Uh, where they said it was um, one 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 third deposit. It was a third when they painted in your colours, and uh, it was a third cash on takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> That's good that was the deal. Yeah. yeah. But uh, have you travelled? Uh, in or around the U.S., I was going to say there is. It's one of the, my favorite things in the U.S. is the number of places that there are good aviation things. Have you managed to get around and see many of those? No, um, actually not. Yeah.
1: No, no, I never. And I, I traveled a lot in the U.S. I lived in many places in the U.S., but I didn't have a chance to actually uh, see um, like airfields or air shows or not yet. No.
0: Yeah. No. In fact, yeah. The other ones I was thinking of is. Uh, Things like some of my favourite places in the world. Uh, I was just thinking, like uh, Air and Space Museum in Washington, or uh, and in fact my uh, real favourite there in Washington is the annex they've built out at uh, Dulles Airport, uh, where they have all the sort of really big things that used to be in the in the city. So uh, I know last time I was there, there was like a oh, everything from a Blackbird to a concord, but they've also got you know sort of old, uh, oh I don't know, you know things like. Uh, World War II things like Mackeys and Spitfires and Zeroes and, you know? you know, all those sorts uh-huh. of things. I mean, things that you would just never see anywhere else you know yeah
1: area. actually i uh, there is a nice museum here right here in the uh, seattle the aviation oh, museum because of the museum That's of me-
0: flight yes yeah, yeah. A museum
1: of flight yeah you can see the blackbird over there um i you mean know, all kind like f-15 phantom all kind of yeah. old yeah. airplanes and so forth yeah very interesting actually,
0: yeah. One, one that uh i got taken to as well that i really enjoyed there in seattle is the uh, even though there's the sort of formal Museum of Flight, there's the Museum of Flight Restoration Centre as well. Um, don't know if you've been to that one, but I I, I really like that because it was the one where they sort of build and fix all the things that'll end up in the Museum of Flight. But you can really uh, get into things and climb all over them and look at them and, and so on, and much more in the restoration centre. Oh, that, is that true? I, I never heard about it. Okay, so that's, that's a yeah, good Yeah, that's uh, worth a look. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> Thank I must admit, uh, all these space things. Uh, the other thing I really liked in the air and, air and space is all the sort of space type things. The uh, uh, they, they just had everything uh, in Washington there that I, I've ever seen, like particularly all the old Apollo things that I grew up watching. You know, you could just... Uh, all the little lunar, the lunar lander, and you know, all the little buggies, and all that. just, yeah. just all those things that, uh, to somebody who just grew up watching that on TV, it was almost like a dream world or that's, something. But that's going truly to see the yeah. actual things is 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 just breathtaking. Yeah, I think. It's, yeah. Uh, they've I also. They had that whole like when they did that U.S. Soviet link up in space, and they've they've got you know all the spacecraft sitting there, and and they had you know Skylab sitting there because they built two of them, and the first one worked, so they put it in there. And I mean that that whole museum. I mean, I, I just think that that's uh, it's breathtaking. That's just, yeah, yeah. There, there's just nothing like that. And you, I mean, I've been in a few other countries where there are some very interesting ones. I know uh, the Deutsches Museum in uh, Germany. Uh, certainly, some amazing aviation things there and I've got uh, uh my wife has sort of relatives down in Houston and it it's always interesting to go and visit uh uh the sort of NASA facilities down there or at uh, Cape Canaveral. Actually uh, I think probably um I, I tend to bore my wife with that, but like I know uh <laughs> my my favorite thing down there was uh in uh thing called Rocket Park and uh when they built uh the Apollo program, because they built Apollo eighteen but didn't ever launch it and and just the entire rocket is sitting in a big shed there, sort of laying on its side and wow. and just sort of pulled apart in sections. And, yeah, it was interesting. The tour we were on... Uh, stopped there for about 15 or 20 minutes but I was there for like three hours <laughs> just, yeah. just walking all around the rocket like I mean you just never see that anywhere I mean you know that's something like that That that's extraordinary yes yeah, so.
1: it, it's really once in a lifetime yes it, it's really yeah. amazing truly amazing yes
0: so I think yeah I think it, around the country there, there's just so many rich things to go and look at so yeah now if you have an interest in aviation uh, uh, it's a good place to be <laughs> I think so uh, true
1: yeah 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 I we actually have a very 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 nice museum in Israel and that's uh, where I grew up and uh, mm-hmm. if one day you have a chance I truly recommend you it's in the south of Israel and it's very um, very nice so You can see airplanes from you know the history of uh, the Israeli Air Force and it's really, ah, really interesting
0: okay that's that's now on my list of
1: yeah. it's a long trip yeah. but
0: <laughs> oh, it's well, listen. With um, one of the questions I had, uh, as well as which editions of SQL Server does Data Quality Services ship with, is or uh, is it only Enterprise edition, or is there anything in uh, lower editions?
1: It's uh, it appears on the BI uh, edition and, yep. and Enterprise BI and okay. Enterprise. Okay. Are
0: there any restrictions in the BI one compared to Enterprise, or is it exactly the same in both editions?
1: I don't recall the differences. I believe that uh, basically uh, enterprise has the full stack. I think BI focuses on Mm -hmm. BI tools. And I think it's also something to do with the... a, a memory consumptions and then CPU that you can use in each edition. they yep. don't recall the the settings. Yeah. yeah,
0: so it might might be higher performing in in the enterprise yes. edition. Perhaps, yes, in that yes, I yeah. believe so.
1: yes, yes. That's
0: good. Well, listen, yeah. when you go to integrate this, we we're saying that um, integration services and there's now a DQ. It's now called DQS client component, isn't it? The uh, uh, the component that's uh, sitting inside there for connecting to. Uh, data quality services. With, with that component, are there any sort of, I, I, I'm thinking best practices or things, but, but just maybe we should talk about at first like what comes out of that component and what goes into it.
1: Okay, so um, so we have two client components. One is the DKS client that basically enables you to um, create a knowledge base and maintain knowledge bases and yeah. run cleansing, cleansing projects and matching projects. And, and
0: that is, one, though, is uh, we should say to people, that's just the Windows-type application that is, uh, that's, that's is just a client UI for working with the, with the projects. Yep. That's true, and it,
1: it's installed through the SQL Server setup.
0: Yep. And uh,
1: the other com- client component is the DQS Cleansing Component in SSIS, which is a very simple UI that basically allows you to connect to the DQS Server instance, select a knowledge base, and map your input columns to the domains in the knowledge base, and that's it. And once you run it, it's just basically using the knowledge in the knowledge base to cleanse your data.
0: Now, in terms of the output side of that component, what information do you get back out the other end?
1: Okay, so so the, the output of uh, the cleansing the cleansing component in SSIS and and the client uh, the DKS client is, is very similar. It's actually identical. And the nice thing about the SSIS component is that you can channel the different outputs to different destinations. So um, uh, we mark data as invalid, correct, corrected or suggested, suggested are values that we didn't automatically correct because they didn't reach a certain threshold. So you can channel mm. these outputs to different destinations and basically push, push the data, let's, let's take the correct and correct data, you can push it directly to the, your MDS system, MDM system, and take the suggested or maybe new records that the knowledge base didn't recognize to a different destination and have someone look at it, and you know what? From the DKS client application, that's the nice thing about it. Yeah. Once you you run a package with the, uh, uh, an SSAS package, you can open the project with a DQS client and look at the results.
0: Mm.
1: And, and so you just see that.
0: this as an iterative process where you, where yes, the knowledge base just keeps getting better and better over a period of time.
1: Yes, and, and why we did it? Because once you open an SSAS package, a uh, project from uh, the DQS client, whatever you approve or reject, or sorry, whatever you approve, okay, in the cleansing project, you can loop back to the knowledge base and expand the knowledge. So next time you, you, you run the same a, a, a package, SSS package, it's already using the enhanced knowledge base.
0: Yeah. That's now, the way you split that out coming out of the component, is there a column that indicates whether this was new or, or something and then use maybe a conditional split? Or something yes, to yes
1: yes there is a column called the uh, record status and indicates and that's you see the indication whether it's what's corrected invalid uh, and so forth so based on this uh, 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 column you add a conditional split component
0: transformation and you
1: split your this dest- uh, uh, you split uh, the table to different destinations.
0: Yep. Now you also mentioned that when uh, the product is installed. Uh, uh, selected as one of the options in as part of the SQL server installation you get I noticed you get the data quality client but my recollection is it doesn't actually set up the data quality database yet or things and so there's a a further stage that you need to go through that's completely true
1: so once install uh, both components uh, obviously you install the DQS server on on a strong machine and the client on uh, whatever machine you want to use But uh, once you install a DQS uh, server and setup is done, you have to run an executable uh, file called DQS installer. And this installer will will install three databases uh, that belong to the DQS server basically. And uh, yep. this installer uh, registers the assemblies that uh, the server uh, uses. So um, you have to run this uh, uh, installer after that, yes.
0: Yeah. When, when you apply cumulative update one, uh, does that require anything run in addition or is it taken care of as part of the cumulative update?
1: No, you have
0: uh, that's an excellent question. You have to run the installer
1: again but with, with a flag uh, uh, that uh, basically upgrades the the database. So I think it, uh, the the syntax is like uh, dqs installer minus upgrade. Yep. So um yep, you have to run it the flag. You have uh, all the documentation is on MSDN so it's uh, it's approachable. But but yes.
0: Yeah, now one of the things uh, I noticed also is that recently there was a white paper published as well on uh, data quality service performance best practices.
1: That's true. That's uh, We published two uh, white papers. One was for the RTM version and one for the C1 version. Um, and the C1 uh, 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 white paper basically uh, depicts the, the, perf- the new performance numbers uh, comparing to the RTM numbers. So uh, it, it's very recommended to go through this uh, white paper and get uh, the new um, uh, performance to understand it better. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's good. And because I did notice uh, in that white paper that there were also some recommendations about around how to sort of uh, structure projects and uh, to work with ongoing projects. Like I remember, for example, there was a thing that said uh, try and use language and geography-based specifications and so on.
1: I don't recall that, but I, I remember there are some best practices, one of which I remember. I don't know if it's in this white paper, but uh, for example, in, in when you uh, create author matching rules, try to use uh, the prerequisite flag on uh, geographical uh, domains like uh, city and state, because usually the level of uniqueness is very low there. Okay, it yeah. doesn't doesn't make sense to use it uh, for fuzzy matching if your data is clean. So, uh, and this this flag basically boosts matching uh, perform uh, matching performance really greatly. So it's called the prerequisite uh, flag, and it's per domain mm-hmm. that you add to the your domain rules. Your your sorry your matching rules.
0: Yep. And so in terms of uh, you also mentioned the sort of fuzzy matching there. Is that very much the same sort of algorithm that was already. Uh, available in uh, integration services is it very similar to the the fuzzy components that were in there or is it a different algorithm it's uh, it's very similar
1: uh, the big difference between the the fuzzy grouping in SSIS and our matching is that uh, our matching uh, we call it semantic matching because it's using the knowledge base the more your knowledge base you have the more knowledge you have in your knowledge base the faster the matching will run and the and more accurate it will uh, run. Because uh, let's take um, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, an example that they already use. I mean, that's from the music world. Lady Gaga, when you compare Lady yep. Gaga and Gaga, okay, the, the similarity between these two terms will be very, very small. So no similarity uh, function in the world will provide a higher similarity than, I don't know, maybe 30%, which is not enough for, yep. for a match. Okay, but once you create a synonym between Lady Gaga and Gaga, that's a hundred percent match. And so we, ha- if we have it in the knowledge base, that will be a hundred percent match record. So uh, you basically just gained a new, a new match there. So it's a semantic matching. Uh, uh, the fuzzy grouping uh, SSS component doesn't use these type of similarities. It's, uh, it's uh, they, they, we use a similar algorithm, but we we use the knowledge base on top of it. So it's much more accurate, and uh, it's faster
0: yeah no that that actually, yes that sounds that sounds very good the um couple, are there any other sort of general best practices you find in terms of working with data quality services?
1: Um, there is a thumb rule. you know, Before, before you go, uh, you, you match your data. It's always a, best, a good practice to cleanse your data and, and it's obvious. Once you cleanse your data and your data is consistent, your matching will be – basically, you can create a very simple matching policy almost uh, using exact matches to match your data if your data is already standardized and, and cleansed. So uh, it's always a good practice to, to do cleansing before you do matching. And once you're done with cleansing, use the, the output of the cleansing as your input for the matching. So um, the nice thing about DQS is that we, we don't actually touch the original columns. We, for each uh, a, a source column, we create an output column, and that's where we place, place the correct value. So you can take these, these output columns and as input to your matching uh, project. Okay, that's yeah, I okay. noticed
0: that in the integration services component, yeah, that, that component, the original column seem to flow through, and then there's additional columns that are the output columns plus the thing that indicates what occurred.
1: That, that's true, and that's true also for the for the cleaning project in the DQS client. So we have uh, the original column, the output column, the reasoning, the state, whether it's a correct, corrected, invalid, suggested, and, and, and more. Um, and for example, if you use reference data providers like Melissa data, they will append additional columns and this is the enriching that we talked before. For example, if you send your addresses, they will return your correct address plus additional metadata about the address like longitude, altitude and so forth.
0: Ah, so uh, so the Melissa one, that, that actually does geolocation of the data yes. as
1: well, does it? Yes, yes, it appends ah. many more columns and that's that's true to most of the services. So you're paying not just for correcting the data, also for enriching your data.
0: Ah, so yes, you actually you're back. Yes, much richer data than, than what you were looking at in the first place. How do, how do you deal? Uh, so when you go to uh, configure the component, I suppose when you then pick the provider that you're going to work against or the service you're going to work against, that then determines the available output columns, does it at that point?
1: when 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 you pick the service uh, it basically um, we we create the same output for each source column that uh, you have we create the output column but upon uh, export uh, we add the additional columns that these services add provide
0: yeah i'm it's, just trying to think in terms of the integration services component like you've got the your input columns coming in you get them out as well you get the output columns and you get the sort of indication of what happened. But if yeah. the thing enriches it in some way, uh, is it when you're configuring the component, like it? Uh, I presume that's the point at which it then suddenly provides additional output columns? Yes, or? That's,
1: that's, yes, true, true. Yeah, there is an advanced tab on the uh, SSS component. That's where you can select whether to append additional uh, columns from the service or not.
0: Yep. So, yeah. It's Ah that's good. Now listen, now one of the things that uh I know uh I was uh, I always ask about but uh, I know it's probably not in the first version is is there any sort of extensibility model or anything like that? Um Unfortunately uh, so like not. It, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah, and make it the easy my answer was quick. Uh yeah, we, we didn't have a chance to put APIs, public APIs out. It's part of our thinking, uh, you know, for uh, the roadmap. Uh, one thing that uh, and I, I know it, I, I can talk about, which it because it's public, I don't recall if there is a public use case for that, but we have a very um, a very interesting partner in uh, in Germany, uh, and they basically integrated the uh, dynamic CRM with DQS around the SSS component. So basically, mm-hmm. whenever they run the SSS component, they take the cleansed data and they show it to the user on the uh, dynamic CRM page. And the user can yep. select whether to, uh, to to incorporate the cleanse data uh, for, for that specific uh, contact, for example. So there is a way to use the SSS SS component as an extendable uh, uh, you know area, but we don't specifically have APIs for, for, for this release.
0: Yeah, and so I, s- I suppose that's the other question then, is that apart from the data quality client application and the component that comes with integration services, uh, do we need to treat the data quality uh, database as a sort of a black box, or is there, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of there are other ways I could interact with that database. Um,
1: I I think that it is best to treat it as a black box. Many of the data of the information is serialized. Um, it, it's very dangerous to to touch any table there because the knowledge base basically it's a schema of tables, and there is a logic you know, uh uh when you publish and you edit a, a knowledge base, there is um an um a logic uh for keeping temporary tables. So once you start to you know mess around with these tables that that's where you know you can destroy things. So I, I think it's it's quite dangerous mm. to and we should treat it as a black box. Um I, and, I was thinking
0: also, more about reading it. I'm I'm thinking like you know if I wanted to execute a query that, I don't know, you know, told me things like the number of unique values in a particular domain or something like that, or or to be, you know, those sorts of things, if there's any way to query that sort of thing?
1: Um, I can't, I don't recall if there's a way to do it. I, I don't know in what format the the values are stored. If it's binary, yep. then obviously you can't, but... It'd
0: uh, yes, be uh, horrible, yeah.
1: I, I think that anyone can can, you know... <laughs> reverse engineer it and, and query yeah. any kind of table there but we, we don't provide any best practice for that no yeah reason.
0: so that so, yeah. so is there any thinking down the track about how that might get sort of uh or the things that might eventually you might be able to build or add on or anything like that i'm just sort of wondering is there a developer surface in mind at all yes
1: we we do have in mind uh, right now we we do think about the next generation And uh, I can't really disclose too much about it. I just uh, (laughs) I can say that uh, there is there is a a developer um, surface in mind, Um, and and uh, and basically we want to uh, promote more automation. um, And that's that's
0: basically it. I can't really disclose more. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. And so, if people have um, ideas on how it might be expanded, is uh, connect connect site the best place for placing those
1: they, they can use the connect site uh, anyone can also post uh, on, on the DKS blogs um, any any type there are forums and blogs uh, uh, that belong to DKS anyone can can write there and have suggestions and, and feedback and we do monitor that and we uh, try to uh, answer as, as as fast as possible and uh, that's uh, these are the the media channels that we use basically.
0: Ah, that's good. So in terms of interaction with the team, then, so you're saying um, for uh, so the DQS forum, a DQS forum and blogs.
1: Yes, and 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 also um, you know if someone wants to uh, a customer wants to become a um, a top customer. Technical uh, um, uh, preview customer, then uh, they can approach uh, Microsoft and uh, ask to be included in the in that list, and then the interaction with the product group is much tighter.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And so what I'll do actually, I'll find the, uh, I'll get the uh, forum and and, uh, blog sort of addresses, and I'll put them in the notes for the show as well, so that uh, perfect. Yeah, so yeah, so there's a a direct link on those. Um, In terms of um, other things coming up that we should look forward to in terms? Of, uh will you are there presentations on this at any the upcoming events? Do you know? Or um, and so I presume TechEd North America. There probably be something.
1: Yes, TechEd North America um, is uh, is uh, one of the the events. I don't recall. I don't have the the list in front of me, but uh, they are events that we uh, always attend. Uh, like Path and any Microsoft uh, event, uh, basically uh, an external, but I just don't have the list with me, so I can't really. Uh, yeah,
0: no, that's great. Yeah, I can uh, service and find the ones that are upcoming. So, yeah. so beyond that, so, Addy, so um, is there anywhere that people will see or hear from you in the upcoming uh, next year or so?
1: Um, I used to present in PATH and, and other events. I'm not sure. We have now uh, Matthew. I think he he has uh, he had a show with you. Oh, uh, Matthew Roach. Matthew indeed. Roach. Yes. Uh, so he yeah. is our uh, great presenter about MDS uh, and BQS. So um, I think uh, he's a really great presenter and uh, uh, you can see it in any, almost in any event in the world. He's traveling a lot now and he's now yes, and in,
0: i i think you did very well getting matthew on the team he's uh he's an old friend of the show and uh, <laughs> of uh, myself and uh, yeah i think he's a very passionate presenter and uh, and always entertaining
1: yes 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 he's uh, and he's delivering the dqs uh, messaging very very well um, but uh, m- myself i'm focusing now on 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 features in dqs in in next generation uh, yep. No no secret that we're going uh, we're considering a, a, a cloud experience and uh, mm-hmm. but not just DQs. Uh, I'm talking about uh, many teams here at Microsoft. This is the next new generation. Yes. yes
0: yeah, that's great. Well, listen, thank you so much today, uh, Gaddy, for your time and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show, Greg. Thank you so much.
0: That's great.